Flying Bull Productions presents Laugh, Literature, and Film. All right. It's the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> the Menchville High School Laugh Podcast. How's it going, everybody? It's been good since our last... It's been a long time. It has been a very, very long time. We are counting down our number uh, one through five top movies of the year. This is part two of our top ten movie of the year for 2014. With me, I'm the L Train. I'm two frames. Yeah. And I am Registrar. 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 (laughs) Sound like you were saying it differently. I don't know. You say it differently every time. Mr. Uh, Two Frames Bull, Mr. Lasky, Mr. Lusk. We're gathered once again in our secret location. We've yeah. taken the show on the road. And we're doing the top five lists, or top five movies of the year. We're going around the horn here. I'll start. My number five movie of the year. Science fiction movie. Ooh, think I know where you're going. Edge of Tomorrow. Oh. Yep. Uh, Tom Cruise. Dies over and over and over and over in this movie. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of like a video game in that sense. Doug Lyman's movie, uh, also starring Emily Blunt and Bill Paxton. And uh, Brendan Gleeson. Oh, that's right. He's yeah. the general in there. I forgot. I think the third act goes off the rails a little bit. And the second ending in the movie leaves me a little perturbed. But uh, the way that uh, the movie works, the pacing, uh, the production, the story itself, the acting, all of it worked together to make uh, my top five movie of the year. And I'm sad that it didn't get more recognition. Much better movie than than some of the uh, other science fiction movies I've seen. It is being released now on DVD with a different title. And Live, it, Die, Repeat. It's actually making a lot of money. Yeah. Which was the original title. Uh, All they, You Need Is Kill is oh, the okay. source material title. Which I think is a great title for a movie. I like that better. Yeah, I, critics I, said it had a terrible title. Edge of Tomorrow sounds good to me, too. It sounds like generic science fiction. At least to me. I think it's a great movie. Uh, if you like Tom Cruise, go see this. And if you don't like Tom Cruise, go see this. Because right. you get to watch him die... More than he has in all his other films combined. In all kinds of interesting ways. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my number five movie of the year. I like it. Mr. Uh, Registar. My number five is Gone Girl. Also based on a novel that I liked very, very much. And I thought the book was pretty faithful to the novel, which I thought was difficult to do. I, I think it was weighted a little bit heavily in favor of the male character, but I still enjoyed the movie overall. Uh, ben Affleck plays the, the husband. The husband in the movie. I don't remember the the names of the uh, what is her name? The characters, but yeah, I don't uh, remember the names. Of the who's characters who's the female? Oh, uh, she's in an interesting movie that's coming yeah, out now, where she goes back in time and gets to redo her life. Uh, she was also in uh, Pride and Prejudice, which I just noticed uh, last night. Someone was watching it. I didn't think there's it was talk a that she Rosamund will get nominated. Pike. Which Ro- Rosamund Pike. Rosamund Pike. I think she'll probably get nominated. Yeah, there's talk I don't she'll think get it was nominated. A real strong year for uh, 
female well, hardly women. ever is. <laughs> I think it's even even particularly bad this year. Yeah. Uh, David Fincher. David Fincher's uh, uh, inter- interesting cinematography. I think that there's a lot there that you'll, you'll have to go back and rewatch multiple times. There's a lot of stuff going on with doorways and looking through the door and perspective changing on how you view characters once they enter a room or exit a room. For a lot of people, it has the shot of the year or the scene of the year in terms of, um, I guess, when the Pike, Rosamund Pike's character sort of takes control of herself or her situation without any spoilers there. Mm. I didn't like the movie. And I think the main reason I didn't is because I power read the book right before that. I went to go see the movie. I read the book through in like one or two days. Read it over the weekend and then went to go see the movie, I think with you on a mm-hmm. Tuesday or Wednesday night or something. I don't know. It was a Saturday night. It was Saturday a, night? Uh, it was the night of homecoming. Okay. Well, so. that makes sense then. But I, then I, I must have read it on Thursday and or maybe I started it the weekend before. Anyway, yeah. I knew all the twists. And, th- and that annoyed me. Knowing the twist made me really not like the movie. So if you haven't read the book, you probably enjoy the movie a lot better if you go see it. That's my recommendation. And I, and I like Fincher a lot, but I, I don't know if, if it makes any difference for anybody else that they knew the ending of the movie. A lot of the critics that I've heard that liked it seem to like it without having read the book. So. Yeah, most of them had... I didn't care for it a whole lot. But that's in the book. I didn't like any of the characters. And I have to have someone to root for in a story or else the movie or the book just won't work for me. I like the book a lot better. But the the screenplay was written by the uh, the author of the book. Yeah. Jill, uh, Jillian Flynn. Jillian Flynn. So, anyway. Gone Girl. But do you agree that it's a, it's a very difficult book to successfully film considering that it relies so heavily on... Two different points of view, two different narratives. Yeah, multi- yeah. Um, it was a movie that. Yeah, I, it was a book that I thought was probably would not work on film. I was amazed that they made it work. Yeah, it, it's very faithful. Does um, it work on film? I'd say yes. And like I said, I probably would have liked the movie a lot better if I didn't know what was going to happen going in. Right. Because then it was just sort of like uh, the suspense was taken away from it, and then the surprise that happens as a result. And then probably the stuff that I didn't like about the book, the stuff that was really unbelievable, I particularly didn't like about the movie, and I was able to telegraph those. But it did star as uh, the uh, Joe's character's sister. Right, the woman from The Leftovers, what's her uh, name? Carrie Coon. Carrie Coon. And she, she was great. Yeah, she deserves a She deserves a, a I agree with you 100%. She's fantastic. Yeah. Probably would be my best female performance so far of the year. Supporting performance. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it... In, she can't get nominated Best Actress. No. But her uh, her her character and, her, and the way she played that character was probably the best part of the movie. So. I like it. For you, Mr. Um, number five for me is uh, Birdman. Oh, I, The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I thought the cinematography would get boring after a while, the whole thing being one shot, but... Uh, the style of the camera work changes. The uh, scenes of the play are very uh, frantic. The camera moves an awful lot. And then the scenes in the dressing room, the camera is very static. It 
it feels like they've uh, flipped what you normally see in a movie. The camera moves a lot, and in a play, you're stuck in your seat, so you don't move around. Right. And I really like that the film did that. Did you like uh, Edward Norton's performance? Yeah, I thought the whole cast. Ed Norton, uh, who else? Uh, Naomi Watts, uh, Emma Stone, and Zach Galifianakis. I didn't even know that Naomi Watts was in that movie until afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> that's not good. Well, no, I guess that's good in a way because... I had to look up who it was. Yeah. I was like, darn, she looks really familiar, but I have no idea. Yeah, there's, there's, she was good in it. Yeah, there was... Good stuff in that movie. I liked it. It was made my top ten list. Came in. At Had I of, seen it, it might be online. Check it out. What do you think the unexpected virtue of ignorance means? In the title. Oh, I think How do you work that out. I think a lot of it's dealing with an actor's hubris. That you have to feel that you're the greatest, so you can go out there and perform and put on a show. And if oh. you start to doubt your abilities, so what is it's your downfall? So being ignorant of the fact that you're not the best. Yeah. So that willful ignorance. Yeah. Well, that's different than hubris, yourself. though. Right. Uh, I mean, I guess we're splitting hairs yeah. in terms of meaning, but uh, I mean, a lot of it's dealing with Michael Keaton. He's trying to figure out: is he an actor, or is he an entertainer, or just a celebrity? Even um, there's a critic that tells him he's not an actor. And, right. And he and he takes that very poorly because it takes on the whole superhero culture of movies the pop culture kind of yeah. concept of movies and but yet he's also going and writing his own Broadway play directing it and right. starring in it right which if you're not Orson Welles is probably a little <laughs> too much for anyone to pull off <laughs> I liked it I liked that movie yeah no I, I enjoyed I it the um, stuff. goes on a little too long it could have ended earlier and been a stronger film, but uh, I still like the true ending and I like that final shot. I think there's a lot to discuss there. Yeah, yeah I agree. And we'll do that on another episode. We'll do that on another with This spoilers. is a spoiler-free yeah. podcast. <laughs> My number four movie of the year came out in uh, April. We're going all the way back to uh, David Gordon Green's Joe, starring Nicolas Cage. As the titular Joe. Mm -hmm. uh, Ty Sheridan is a uh, hard luck kid who meets up with Joe. And Joe sort of takes him in under his wing. Joe has these uh, anger management issues and substance abuse issues. But he's trying to get them under control. And this Ty Sheridan kid is played by... Uh, or, um, I can't remember the name. His name in the movie. Uh, but Ty Sheridan plays a character like Mud. Mm -hmm. The character he played in the movie Mud. Uh, young kid. Looking for a father figure because his father's a real piece of crap. And uh, that character is played by a real uh, a real homeless person that they found and who died right after the movie was made. Yeah, one hit wonder. Uh, Salter, Salter, Solner, something like that. Something, yeah. uh, again, sort of darkly comic. Very depressing. Uh, like my life. There's a theme here. I, last year, did you have mud on your top ten? I think, yeah, mud made my top ten. I, I'm seeing there are certain categories. Yeah, they, they all you they have just to get like, filled. Well, again, when I was thinking about movies I would want to see, this this had excellent pacing, so I could sit down and watch it again. Uh, 
and it, it does a lot of showing without telling, which is something I try to um, encourage my students to do when they're writing creatively. Mm. And then it, I mean, there's a lot of symbolism in the movie and a lot of things that you can bite into. And uh, like most David Gordon Green movies, I think he did uh, uh, George Washington was a movie that he did. And then, uh, Prince Avalanche recently yeah. came out, which I haven't seen, but uh, I like. It's uneven. I like movies that have substance, and this one yeah. was the top four movie of the year in terms of substantive things. I like it. So, Joe, number four, Mr. Registar. My number four film this year is Big Hero 6, Ooh, I an animated that. movie. All right. And I'm like you. I, there, I usually avoid most animated movies. I have to really feel compelled that there is some something special or great about an animated movie for me to actually go see it because I've there have been a preponderance of animated films in the last five years or so and there are just too many made now where I think the quality is not um, and I was I was surprised I liked this movie more than I thought I was going to and I had already thought I was going to like it it really was um, incredibly well written huh but, um, it touched. It made me laugh than... a lot. It touched me emotionally. I wasn't necessarily expecting that. Um, I think it's one of the best animated movies I've seen in a very long time. So more enjoyable for you than the Lego Movie, <laughs> by far. Which a lot of people are saying is uh, will. Make it's an getting Oscar. a lot of critical yeah. acclaim. Uh, the Lego Movie is critically loved, but so I think this is far. I didn't see Big Hero Six, but I was surprised I that um, I really, really loved it. I mean, it's number four. How to Train Your Dragon up. Part Two made my number, made my top ten. So. That surprised me. I you seen that admit. Big Hero Six, Mister Two? Haven't seen it. Really? You seen 187 movies this year? That one just kind of got lost in the shuffle. It oh. came out the same weekend as Interstellar did. Oh, yeah, okay. It did. So right. it was a good weekend for. Did it make more money fiction. than Interstellar? Uh, they were neck and neck. Huh. I don't remember which it one surprised me. I highly just recommend animated it. Animated films make a lot of money. It's technically a Disney movie, but it feels like a Pixar movie. Yeah. The now that Disney movie. owns Pixar, it's kind of hard to tell. Yeah, there were no Pixar movies this year. No, I think there was. No, there was. Oh. There was a sequel to Planes. But that didn't come out. It came out in 2013. Pixar no, it's, it's on our list. It came out in It's on our August. list somewhere. It didn't do well. I mean, it's basically a direct-to-video that Disney right. pushed off as a film in theaters. But. I guess there are no theatrical-released Pixar movies. No. Theatrically that was released was theatrically. Pushed, yeah. I'm saying it would have been direct to video. Oh, all right. In well, another I could be wrong. Year. Agreed. Flight and Rescue or something like something that. Like that yeah. Agre- agree to disagree. That was a Pixar movie. But this feels like a Pixar movie. It's excellent. All right. I highly recommend it. Nice, nice. You will especially like it cuz it's um, a superhero origin. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to when it comes out on uh, Blu-ray. I think I have to see Big Heroes 1 through 5 in order to follow Big Hero 6. Now, is that a riff on Leonard Park 6? No, it's actually based on a graphic novel. And Big Hero 6 has nothing to do with the sequel. That's the name of the team of superheroes that eventually gets put together. All right. Interesting. Without giving too much away, since we're trying to number be four for free. you. Number four for me is a uh, Calvary. 
Ah, made my list. Uh, probably my favorite new director, John Michael McDonough. Okay, it was his second movie, right? His second film. Uh, after I saw Calvary, I went and saw The Guard, which is a comedy starring uh, Brendan Gleeson. And The Guard is one of my new favorite comedies. It's supposed to be one of the uh, thematic trilogy, right? Yeah. Um, what's the third? It's coming out next year? Uh, I was actually looking up. He's got a new film. It doesn't look like it's even going to have Brendan Gleeson. Uh, so I was going to ask if Brendan Gleeson was But his new that. film, it's supposed to be another dark comedy starring Garrett... Headland, Guy Pierce, and Michael Pena. All right. About corrupt cops in New Mexico blackmailing people. Weird. Picking on the wrong guy, apparently. Because The Guard is set in Ireland, right? Yeah. And Calvary, the movie that made your top ten, is set in, is set in Ireland. And this was in Mexico. Yeah, but who knows what will happen. Excellent. So. All right. Anything more you want to say about it that hasn't been said? Uh... Just uh, it, it was one of those movies. I wasn't real big on it. Um, it kind of came out of nowhere. I heard about it on an episode of Film Spotting, and I think you had seen it the day before. Okay, yeah, we went. And you and guys talked about it. I'm like, oh. after Bailey's one day. Yeah, and you guys were real big on it, so I went and watched it and was very surprised. All right. So, Did you not go see it with us that day we saw it? No, I had something you had to, to go, do. Huh? Yeah. So. Well. That was a good movie. But now we're in the top three. Now we're so in the, the top bronze three. medal winner for you. We're getting down. This is going to be surprising for some of you, I believe. Number three, Blue Ruin. That low. Yeah. Number yeah. three, uh, the Jeremy Saulnier movie. Oh, but he was huge on this. Oh, yeah. Okay. I saw it. First, I saw it on um, DirecTV uh, streaming. Uh, and then it came out. In the movie theaters in Gloucester. Yeah. Gloucester's getting wow. a lot of the hits. Uh, Gloucester, Gloucester was one of the well, few theaters that had the interview. It would be hard to call... Oh, God. It would be hard to call Blue Ruin a hit. Except that it did make... Uh, I think it was the the uh, Critics' Choice Award at mm-hmm. the uh, Cannes Film Festival in 2013. I, I think that's how it made its... Uh, I don't know. Uh, got its bonafides as such in order to get a theatrical release because it was only really I actually asked the manager at the Gloucester movie theater how they got that movie and he said it was because they're with a group of distributors that it's right around 800 theaters and if it hits that 800 mark and it's below the thousand mark then they get those kinds of movies huh and Blue Ruin happened to be one of them um, well, I do know there used to show art films at a theater in Gloucester for many years, and then that kind of disappeared for a while. Yeah, this is uh, not Gloucester is not really your your showcase theater for uh, arty, thoughtful movies. But this movie is incredibly well paced. It was a very it's a revenge movie where the um, revenge happens at the beginning. Yeah, there's a whole lot of uh, interesting things with this character and where he comes from, and there's payoffs for scenes that happen earlier, shots that happen early on. Um, Love the Blue Ruin, Jeremy Saulnier and his uh, group of friends. They got a new movie coming out next year, Green Room, <laughs> starring Ben Kingsley and uh, Patrick Stewart. 
making Blair is, I don't know if he's going to be in this or not. I think he's There's a, a female part. character in it, or a, a female actress in it. Was they, so are they going to do the rainbow? It's an, indie, it's an indie band that sees Nazi skinheads perform an act of violence, and then they have to try to escape these uh, neo-Nazis. In the in the hills of Kentucky or something like that. Oh, it's going to be good. Yeah, I love me some Green Room. That's in my top ten list of movies I want to see next year. This guy, just the, the, his ability to tell a story in, an, in a visual way, which is what I like about movies um, in particular. Yeah, it was a good film. I hope it gets nominated for cinematography. A lot of good cinematography. Oh. They, they filmed it for $30,000. Which that's also really cool to me that they're able to make really good quality movies for not a whole lot of money, and people have an idea and they're creative, and they have a little bit of wherewithal. They're able to put out movies that people are actually going to see and enjoy. So that was my number three movie of the year, Blue Ruin. I like it. So a Blue Ruin is like a uh, it's a it's a confusing state of affairs. So there's something that happened. They call that a blue ruin. There's 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 some imbroglio or something along those lines. Hmm. That's no, what a blue I, ruin I like is. It. So you're number three, Mister Alaski. Well, this is a little bit of a cheat because I f- forgot about Calvary until we had already started. So probably something lower on the list would not have made number three. Um, I had to make a tie here between Calvary and Saint Vincent. Ah, Saint Vincent. So, Calvary, on all three of our lists, it's at number three for me, a movie that I really enjoyed, made me think a lot, a movie I can see again, certainly led to some very interesting discussion. And St. Vincent, a movie that I didn't really want to see, actually. Um, I'm not, I don't have the love affair with Bill Murray that many people seem to have, but my sister wanted to go see it, so we went, and I actually liked it much more than I thought I would. And... I would be interested to see it, to hear what you would say about it. All right. I have to uh, say that much. I saw it. I didn't love it. Didn't hate it. Um, I thought, you know, Bill Murray's making interesting choices. And I think he said he would do this movie if all the filming locations could be within an hour of his house. He wanted to be able to get home at night. But he lives in Georgia, right? I think he lives in, like, South Carolina or Georgia something or something like, like that. that yeah. so they- He's like, yeah, I'll do your movie if you can uh, keep it within an hour of where I live. Excellent. So, um, he was in uh, Grand Budapest Hotel this year too. So, did he have the same? No, no. no. But, I mean, so he's, he's in that for two minutes. All right. Which, uh, strangely enough, is my number three film, Grand Budapest Hotel. Ah. Uh, probably my favorite Wes Anderson film. Right. And I think if you know, do you really like Wes Anderson films? Though? Not a whole lot. Um, you know, I, I enjoy them a bit, and I mean, there are moments in every film. But I think if you're trying to get into Wes Anderson, this would probably be the film to start with. Don't you think it's like saturated with Anderson though? Yeah, but it's not it, a it, good it, entry. It's not like uh, your, what would you start with? Rushmore. <sighs> Rushmore's a little slow, and uh, it's funny though. Also starring Bill Murray. I, don't, I, I really like Grand Budapest Hotel. Right. There's a lot of plot. There are a lot of moving parts, but you're able to follow along. And, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of humor. It actually, I gave it a nine when it came out. So it should have made my top ten. But when I, it's on HBO right now. 
How it is. And I started looking at it, and I was like, eh. You didn't hold up? No, nah, it didn't hold up. Like, I didn't I didn't really care to watch it again. So that's why I didn't perform higher on my list. Fair enough. So, that was your number three? Number three. So we're three. already up to number two? Yeah. This is going to be another surprise for you. Is that your dog? Yeah. yeah. It's my dog. He's thirsty. Ooh. He just did the Nolan Trail. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. He gets a lot of water out of that. There was an interesting thing in the New York Times a couple weeks ago about when a dog drinks water, they, the force of the tongue going in and pulling the water out is like 70 miles per hour or something <laughs> really insane. You have to pause the TV when he drinks his water. You know, they pull it up with the back of their tongue. Really? Yeah. They pull it into their mouth with the... They cup the, the tongue backwards. Hmm. They don't cup it forwards like you would think. You'd think that they're scooping it, but they're not. They they're are kinda, scooping it, but they're... It's I a reverse, they're raking it more. It's a reverse rake-scoop situation. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's why if your dog's... If the water bowl goes too low and they can't get the tongue back underneath, they won't be able to, to drink any water. It's very confusing for them because they'll slap their tongue in there and it's hitting the bottom and most people think, well, surely they'll be able to scoop some up because they're scooping it from the front, but they won't be able to get it because it's scooping in from the bottom and they're not getting anything. Hmm. So keep your dog's water dish full if you want to want to have a properly hydrated dog. Which brings us to our number two. That is a great segue <laughs> for number two. I agree. Seamless. Whiplash. Oh, I thought that was going to be number one. I was wrong. Number two movie of the year. So the best movie I can remember uh, seeing in theaters in a long, long time. Yeah? Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, probably my favorite movie-going experience of the year, uh, Inside Lewin Davis notwithstanding. And uh, I, my prediction, in terms of any Oscar predictions... Aside from, and this is a Loctite Oscar prediction. I have two. One is that Terrell Owens will not win a Best Supporting <laughs> Actor award because he's nominated, or he's he's on the list there. Not necessarily nominated, but he's available for consideration for about last night, I think. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. J.K. Simmons will win uh, Best Supporting Actor. Wow. Because he's that good. It's that good of a movie. And he he's plays, going to beat out Ed Norton. Well, I, yeah. I know he'll get nominated. I don't know if he'll win. But I think he'll win. That's, that's, my lock, that's my lock of the year. Uh, Miles Teller is a ambitious young dra- jazz drummer who uh, searching for a mentor, and he's taken in by uh, Terrence Fletcher, who has these uh, mm, terroristic sort of uh, training techniques. And he t- takes his uh, he he takes this kid to the limit of his abilities, which is exactly where he wants to go. And then he tries to take him a little bit farther. And then that's really what the uh, is it further or farther? I don't know. It's that's that's the theme of the movie is how far are you willing to go to achieve your ultimate goal? Now, did you have high expectations when you went in to see this? No. Not really. I heard uh, some of the other film podcasts I listened to talk about it. It was high on their recommendations because they'd seen it. Mm-hmm. So some of the some of the uh, critics that I respect were talking really highly of it. So in that sense, I guess, yeah, 
I was looking forward to, but I'm not really into music or anything that much. Uh, but it's the very first shot of the movie, it's a long tracking shot in on Miles Teller as he's playing his drums. And then he, I, I was just sort of mesmerized by his abilities as a drummer. And then the interchange between him and the mentor that happens early on the JK Simmons character. I was just, taken in with the movie and it never slowed down there were some parts where I didn't give it a 10 because there were some some things in the back like his backstory like some stuff with his family that really didn't work I wish they could have spent more time with with him as a uh, as a character amongst other characters that have different motivations and stuff but it's too focused on these two characters to be uh, completely realized as a film so so nine out of ten, but it's my number two film of the year, Whiplash. Got to see that Whiplash. I called Mister Two Frames after seeing it on the phone, and I was like, "It's the best movie I've seen in a long time." It's great. You and I talked right after you saw it. Love that movie. That's why I thought it was going to be your number one. No, I got some other. Right so here. now all the anticipation is killing yes. me. Huh. What will be number one? I'm interested to hear. What's your number two there? The Skeleton Twins. Oh, yeah. we. Will. I saw the uh, preview for that with you. Uh, it. it was a movie I was interested in, uh, but I did not expect to like it as much as I did. I thought it felt very authentic. Uh, the relationship, the brother-sister relationship between those two characters really resonated with me a great deal. It reminded me of growing up with my sister. Um, and it's, it's a very small movie... Um, and yet it was, it felt very profound. Um, I loved it. You're a big Kristen Wiig fan, aren't you? I am a Kristen Wiig fan. And I think like a lot of comedic, comedic performers, she is underrated. Um, this is not, this is not a comedy really. There are some comic moments, but she's playing a pretty serious character. Mm -hmm. And I think... Anyone who watches this film could see she has incredible potential to do really anything she wants to do. No, I heard if directors will give her a chance. Luke Wilson was uh, really good in it. That's what I've heard from some other people playing her husband, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. Kristen Wiig's husband, and then the twin and Bill Hader Bill was Hader. also very good. Another alum from Saturday Night Live. The right. two of them worked on Saturday Night Live together. Um, he plays a gay character, but it's. Not stereotypical, which is again refreshing. I have a and hard the time. The mother, I'm trying to remember who plays their mother. Another actress I like, who I think has done a lot of theater, but I have no idea right now. Maybe it'll be on this list. I have a hard time uh, distinguishing between Bill Hader and that guy that plays Goat Boy. Who's that guy? I have no idea. <laughs> Joanna Gleason plays the mother. Oh, that's not Goat Boy, though. And she, she was, she has a very small part in the movie, but um, has a pretty big impact because she looms in the lives of these two characters. Um, and it again felt very authentic. The family between these three characters, interesting, created by the number two. I would assume the actors, the director, and the writer seem to have a lot of that. This is where I leave you kind of feel to it. When, in, based it's on much the, uh, darker. Oh, really? So it's not to me. really a comedy. Yeah, it's not. I mean, right. I don't think it gives too much away. I think it's in the trailer. 
they both attempt suicide at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, at the same time. And obviously they don't succeed because there's a whole movie about the two of them. So It's not five minutes. There are comic moments, but it's a pretty serious movie. It's not. Well, comic irony is kind of what appeals to me. So. Yeah. I right. It's my number two. I had it at number one briefly, and then I thought about it some more. Briefly, like five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, when I was first making my list. It was number yeah, one when I first ago. wrote my list. Whatever. <laughs> All right, right. Mr. Bull. Mr. Two for you, Mr. Two Frames. Uh, This is your favorite. Second. Second favorite movie. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Ooh. Like me some Edge of Tomorrow. Um, I think this is one of the best science fiction films ever. I think this is top five material for science fiction. I said that the day we saw it, because I I think we saw it and then went to Bailey's afterwards. Okay. And we were talking up this film. I just I really enjoy it. Uh, I'm waiting for someone to do a supercut of this film, where well, you see Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise's deaths? No, no, no. You see him go through the actual battle all the way to the end without dying, because in the movie you never see the whole thing. Right. They they skip ahead. They they don't always go back and repeat bits and parts. That's why there's something that I that I didn't like about the movie though was. There's a location change midway through mm-hmm. that battle scene. It's like if, the, if, if that movie could have somehow worked that battle scene, mm-hmm. the conclusion of that battle scene, to be the conclusion of the movie, it might have been a little bit higher for me. Yeah, but I, I, I want to see the perfect run by Tom Cruise right. through because it is very much you like should a do video that. game. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be interesting to see. Those jumps in it and how that works. Um, apparently, they change the camera angle a little bit every time that he's brought back to life, but it's so subtle that you don't really notice unless you look at the. It's it's always the same position where he's brought back mm-hmm. to life when he dies, for the most part, and then uh, the camera angle just changes just a little bit. I don't know if it graduates away or if it's going in the same direction or not, but. Yeah, no, I was noticing it last night because I was going back and re-watching bits and parts of it. Because I also think it has one of the best speeches. Uh, Battle is the Great Redeemer. The Patston speech that he gives. Okay. At the beginning of each of Tom Cruise's days. All right. Excellent. So. Um, glad that made your list. Why was that? Happening? Also, um, the writer Christopher McQuarrie, the guy who wrote The Usual Suspects, uh, Valkyrie, Way of the Gun. He's currently filming and directing uh, Mission Impossible 5. Ooh. So I I really like his work. I like his movies, and I think he gets a lot out of Tom Cruise. I think some of Cruise's best movies recently have been ones that Christopher McQuarrie has uh, worked on. Excellent. All right, now we're down to to it. This is the number one movie of the year. Interested to see what yours are, because I have no idea. I don't think I'd be able to guess. Really? Oh, I think I have a glaring hole that you should be able to guess for me. All I right. have no idea for you, though. I'm going to let you tell me. I'm not going to try to guess. I'm not going to ruin the suspense. Yeah. It's coming up at number one for me. It's a movie nobody's seen except for you. I think you might have seen it. Yeah, I know you saw it. Nobody in our listening audience will have seen this movie, but they should. The Rover. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Guy Pierce's dis, uh, uh, David Michaud is the director, starring Guy Pierce and uh, Pattinson. Yeah, what's his name? Uh, Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson, 
uh, the writer of this movie is Joel Edgerton, who played Tom Buchanan in um, The Great oh, Gatsby. He and he's also in Exodus. God, yeah. He I wrote really it, like um, him as an actor. But yeah, that's... Uh, very tight movie. Um, it's a dystopian western. It's the best way to describe it. And the, the last shot of the movie, that and The Immigrant, the last shot of the immigrant is is one of my top ten movie moments. I guess the last shot of the of the rover contains a uh, one of my uh, just just in terms of like a satisfying ending mm-hmm. for me. This is it. Uh, I've noticed another theme in my lists here: a lot of mentor mentee interaction going on. A lot of guys searching for father figures or searching for someone to take care of them or helping them out. Maybe that's some glaring hole in my life. Maybe I need a men. A men. I'm core. surprised this film is that high on your list. I know you liked it. I've got it number twelve on mine. Right. I would think that there are elements of this film that would uh, knock it down a peg or two. There's some things without that without giving any spoilers away. There's some things that I don't like about it. But when I again when I put together my list, I was thinking about the movies I would like to watch again, mm-hmm. and I watched this movie about three or four times. Oh wow! Already yeah. you've seen it three or four times? Yeah, I, I have it on a digital. Uh, I have a digital copy of it. Um, I don't. All I can say is Mad Max Fury Road has a lot to live up. I don't think it got much of it. No, of a it's release. Australian. An Australian. Um, it's set in the near, I know, but near I read Entertainment Weekly. I mean, I read about movies. Like God, I usually at least yeah. have an idea of most of the movies you've talked about, even if I haven't seen them. But for some reason, this one, I don't... That doesn't surprise nothing me. Nothing strikes in my head right the now. The critics were fairly split on this film. Yeah, I think a lot of my picks, the critics are fairly yeah, split. I read a lot on. Of I didn't like God's Pocket too. either. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it might have like 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. They don't like the pacing they don't like some of the acting of uh robert pattinson but for me i i particularly like the fact that pattinson and his uh brother is played by scoot mcnary who i really like is another actor i really like they are americans in australia you know why they're there but there's no real they don't go back and try to explain it all there's not a whole lot of like uh isn't Pattinson British? He may be. I don't know, but his he plays an American. He plays a, a kid from like the hills of so you Kentucky he was or Georgia. Okay in this movie or good in this? Oh movie? yeah, yeah. I thought he was great. It's an interesting use of MacGuffin in this film. There, yeah, there is a the whole driving of, force of this film is uh, very interesting. In the way it's discovered, it's interesting. Sorry, it, it, but it, it it's not a true MacGuffin in the fact that there. It, there's a payoff with it. There is. So that's, I mean that that again that that's what makes it a satisfying movie mm-hmm. for me. It's also it's going to be in the you'll you'll hear you'll hear me talk about it in the Laffies. If you stick around for our next podcast, I think it made a Laffy category for me too. Best ending. Excellent. All right. It's nominated up there. So uh, the Rover. That's my number one, Mr. Registar. Your number one movie of the year. Well, you are probably not going to like this, but my number one is The Imitation Game. I just saw oh, it wow. recently, and um, 
when I thought about it versus the Skeleton Twins some more, it moved up to my number one from number two. Um, it's an incredible story that's very well told, and um, you, I was, you just saw it. I just saw it last Saturday. Okay, last Saturday, yeah. I just saw it. Mr. Two Frames and I saw it again. There are a lot Tuesday, of movies I Tuesday. haven't seen yet. I mean, you know, yeah, it might not be number one after I've seen some of these other movies. But out of the forty-one movies I've seen this year, <laughs> I have re- recognized a few new ones. Um, it was, I think, it would be my nomination for Best Picture at the Oscars okay. right this moment. If I had to pick Best Picture, that is what I would nominate. I think it was just incredibly well done across the board, every way you can think about it and look at it. Uh, it's a story I kind of already knew what happened, and somehow it was still suspenseful, which I think is difficult to do. Right, if you know the ending. Right, it's like, exactly. You know like World that War Titanic movie. <laughs> well, not just World War Two. But what they are trying to accomplish yeah. as far as trying to... Crack the code. And, and, it, and it was able to surprise me in places. So um, it's my choice for best picture at this particular moment in time. How old is Kira Knightley? Uh, early 30s? I think she's, yeah, 30-something. I don't think she's changed. I just I'm not a big her. fan of her. She's really? actually a reason why I wouldn't necessarily want to see this movie. I don't. I thought I she was the best part of the her. movie. I... Enjoy her. Uh, I thought Benedict Cumberbatch was the best part of the movie, but with her, it's creepy when she does her American accent. There's something a lot of movies where they're the American accent. uh, Jack Ryan, Shadow Recruit. Okay, Uh, with Chris Pine, she plays an American, and I didn't recognize her because of the voice she was doing until about halfway into the movie, and then I was like, "Holy crud!" I think I just figured out what your number one movie of the year is, and I am disappointed. Jack Ryan. Uh, I thought Cumberbatch was too Cumberbatchy. I haven't seen him in a lot. I think honestly, he was, I really I haven't seen him in that many things because I've never seen Sherlock Holmes. I, there was and when I saw Frankenstein, he was not the monster. He was. I'm a, I'm a fan of Cumberbatch. Frankenstein. I, in fact, I've been listening to his Metamorphosis. He he reads the Metamorphosis online on a Sci-Fi Friday. I think it would have been very easy. To make this character take this character over the top and make him a, almost a cartoon, and I think he was. I didn't. I didn't think that Turing as a character was st- as cartoonish or stereotype or anything. I thought he was an interesting character in the movie. No, I'm not talking about his sexuality. I'm talking about no, I, his Asperger. Yeah, everything or about he is on the sp- Yeah, I think it could have been. I just thought that a different actor would probably have gone much further. I thought he really? was very restrained. All right. I, that's the problem I had with him. Was my biggest problem is the ending. The final scene between him that and we Kira win Knightley. The war. We we win. We win World War Two. No, 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 his final scene. Oh, that he has his with Kira She comes to visit him. Yeah, and, then, and they're talking, and and then you have the epilogue. All right. A couple lines that go in the complete opposite direction that you were being led to believe. Um, there's a good New York Times piece about it. And the guy really just attacks the film. Oh, for Hollywooding up the ending? For changing the ending. Or not changing the ending, but the way they did the ending. And um, They got a little of the facts wrong, right? I and, must have read some, this. I read the New York Times. I think they got the facts, facts wrong, wrong in terms and then of like the, what they were saying about Alan Turing's sexuality. And just how powerless they made him in the film. And he, 
apparently he was just much better in real life than the film makes him out to be. What do you mean by better? The the film makes him out to be kind of powerless and there's a lot of moral ambiguity in the film. Like at one point he finds out one of the guys he's working with is a traitor. Right. And he's like, I have to turn you in. The guy's like, well, then I'm going to turn you in. And Turing decides not to say anything, not turn the guy in. In the movie? Yeah, in the movie. In real life, they didn't actually work together. But you're like, wait, this guy doesn't really stand on high principle then. And but he, they have a he kind of turn, cop-out right, scene well, later on. It's kind of, kind of spoily. Yeah. I don't want to be too spoily with what a lot of people put it, and including the Registar, put as his... Uh, number one movie. Uh, no, I, I think it's I, a good film. Overall, I knew it's well it was acted. not going to be. It, it's well shot. I got your email was all about it. That's why I didn't really respond to your email. I was. I'm going to be there. Nonplussed. Right. I, it, I, I it was if a, like, upper does tier. a speech. You would enjoy this. It, it had that, a lot of that same feel. All right. Well done there. Okay. To me. I, I mean, I have a. Where do I have it? Twenty-four. Right. It's okay. You don't have <laughs> no, to defend. No, I, it's, yeah. it's personal. Preferences here, Mister Two Frames Bull. Uh, the number Your one, number one movie of the year. This was probably also the movie I wanted to see the most all year long. Uh, you know where I'm going. I do know where you're going. And the best part is, it's a sequel. Oh, then I don't know where you're going. What were you going to say? Interstellar? No, no, no. no. Oh, oh all right. really? Oh, that... my number one film. The Raid 2. Oh, all right. Excellent choice. In, in there an Asian action film. You saw it? Yeah. Saw it with Mr. Two Frames over there. Wow. Yeah, we see a lot of movies together. Yeah, directed by Gareth Evans. Uh, this is his third feature film. He also did one of the segments of uh, VHS 2. Number 13 movie. Starring uh, Iko Uwe. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's a great action film. It picks up... Two hours after the first film ends, but you don't really need to have seen the first film in order to enjoy this uh, movie. Um, uh, basically, a cop goes undercover into uh, a gang, and now, didn't you say John? Into... Sorry, go ahead. No, no go with ahead. the plot, um, it's terrible. It's bad pod. Police officer goes undercover uh, to try and defeat this gang, right? Right, like a. It's the first person. raid, the one that Rob, the new Robocop kind of ripped off. Is that what you were telling me? Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd. Okay, yeah, they they go into this tenement building right, and right, get stuck. Right. They have to fight their way out. Right. I remember you talking about that at some um, point. The action, I think, is fantastic in this. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you when I was being so rude and interrupting you before. I thought you said that John Wick was the best action movie of the year. If not for this film. All right. Um, gosh, that'd make a good double feature, right. watching these back-to-back. Um, also movie. may have one of the best uh, scenes in uh, the whole year. There is an incredibly uh, adrenaline-packed car chase in this film. I, uh, that spoils the Laffy Awards. I'm not sure it's going to win for best scene, but uh, that's, it, it's that, definitely going to be nominated. That's, uh, that's, um, that's in my, that, yeah, that's, yeah, that's our next little podcast. I'm the Raid 3. I think that's coming like 2016. Yeah, they want to do a third one, which will... Make it a trilogy, bring the story to a close. The second one starts two hours after the first one ends. The third movie will start three hours before the second one ends. So it's going to be easy to follow. (laughs) So it's going to fill in the two hours between? Yeah, there's a little side story with the cops, and there's a third gang 
that's yeah, doing some stuff. It's got to be. Um, I was looking at some information on this movie last night for my for the Laffy Awards, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a whole lot in the movie that I've forgotten about that I really enjoy. This this movie should have been higher on my list, but I knew you were going to mention it, I, or I thought you might mention it. I didn't know you'd have it as your number one. But like uh, Baseball Boy and what was it, Hammer Girl? Hammer Girl. I'd forgotten about those characters completely. They're great characters. Yeah. There's um, a lot of really, you could have a movie just about those two people. But I mean, overall, I know this won't win any awards, won't be nominated for anything, mm-hmm. but if you said you have to watch one movie. Is it a foreign film? Yeah. Indonesian. Indonesian. It's got subtitles and it's long. It's two hours and 20 minutes. But, good, though. I mean, even up until the end, the audience was gasping at some of these scenes. Yeah, it's, it's awesome what they pull off. All right. So there you go. That's our top 10 list of the, of the year for uh, I like it. 2014. Did you have any honorable mentions? Anything that you wanted to? There's only the only movie that wasn't mentioned. Um, well, my. 11 through 12 was uh, or 11 through 15 I had Nightcrawler on there we kind of mentioned that um that movie I said it grows on me like a fungus <laughs> that's the note that I wrote on it because the, it, I get pulled back to it um and then Guardians of the Galaxy I thought that was the best uh, comedy I was surprised no one had Guardians of the Galaxy up there it was actually really good it was probably 11 or 12 for me if I worked on my list some more that's gonna make my Laffy Award and if I had spent more time <laughs> More than five minutes, and then Ray Barandal was number thirteen, and then this is where I leave you. Made number twelve, and Grand Budapest Hotel. It's just outside of the list. I wrote when Grand Budapest Hotel came out. I said this is my favorite movie going experience after Inside Lewin Davis, but it was only like two weeks after Inside Lewin <laughs> Davis. And then, like I said, I I didn't really feel like watching it again when I had the opportunity to watch it again. So. Hmm. I can't really say it's in my top ten. I don't think it is. But I would watch How to Train Your Dragon Part Two if I had the. Did option. we see the signal together? I was trying to think of who I, I saw. You saw the signal. I did see the signal. That was one of those. That I was I trying to, to think of who I saw it. I thought I saw Wait, it with you. Is that the movie reason. on YouTube? With no, it's it, Lawrence Fishburne. It's a science fiction. Oh. It was a tiny little movie, but it was played at the MC for like a week, and I somehow no, saw I it. Did too. The, the signal, that was, was one that I wanted to mention. Well, yeah. I was looking back to it, what it, might be on my it, list it's a further film. down. It, it changes. Um, I mean, it starts off, these guys are looking for a signal, they're looking for this hacker, and from there the movie just goes all over the place. So that would that's in your honorable mention? That's an honorable mention, um, and then a documentary, I Know That Voice, Okay. Um, about voice, voice actors. actors. And I'm just one of those people, I love behind-the-scenes stuff and how to make, you know, art. Uh, if you told me I could sit anywhere in a theater, I'd want to sit on the side on the wings to watch all the stuff going on behind the scenes. <laughs> and to be able to watch the show. You, you know, mean the in a theater time. of a play? In a play, you know, wherever. But not a theater theater, because sitting on the oh, side. Yeah, no, in a movie, movie theater, theater, no. But it wouldn't make any difference. It, watching all that stuff going on and seeing how something comes together, that's where I, I would want to be. And so you to like, me, seeing all these people doing famous voices, like the guy who does Winnie the Pooh is this old, crusty guy who used to be a, um, a roadie like back in the 70s, and you would never imagine that the voice of Winnie the Pooh comes out of him. Huh. So you like that movie, or that... Uh 
play Noises Off. <laughs> you should go see that. Coats and Playhouse. Noises Off. Noises Off. They actually made it into a movie if you wanted to watch the movie. It's about... Carol Burnett. Yeah, it's about a company putting on a play, but mo- it's mostly done from backstage. Well, actually, the first part of the movie or the play is done completely from backstage. You never see what they're doing on stage. It's all the craziness that happens behind the scenes. And then the second act is the play. So you get to see what they've been doing on stage this whole time. And knowing what you've seen backstage, it's it's very well written. It's interesting. It's very well written. If you like, if you, that's exactly, yeah. It's it's funny you brought that up. Any, uh... I was, I was also going to ask if either of you saw Snowpiercer. I think you and I well, had that, talked about That'll be in my Laffy Awards. Did you Did you see that? Mm-hmm. I finally saw it on demand. All right. Uh, I think it was an interesting idea. I wouldn't call it a great film, but it was a very interesting idea. All right. Yeah, I didn't care for it a whole lot. I know a lot of the critics loved it. I mean, it was all right. All right. Well, that's the top ten list. So to run through them again... Uh, top five, anyway, for me, number five was The uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Number four was the movie Joe. And number one, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> number three, Blue Ruin. Number two, Whiplash. And number one was The Rover. Nice. Those are my top five movies. Top five, number five, Gone Girl. Number four, Big Hero 6. Number three, a tie between St. Vincent and Calvary. Number two, the Skeleton Twins. And number one, the Imitation Game. Uh, number five for me is Birdman. Four is Calvary. Three, the Grand Budapest Hotel. Two, Edge of Tomorrow. Lift, I repeat. Um, and number one, The Raid 2. All right. Those are our top ten movies of the year. Uh, this has been the top ten movie podcast for the Laffy's End of the Year podcast. Um, it's been fun <laughs> hope you enjoy it our next podcast will be the Laffy Awards really looking forward to that so uh, for Mr. Two Frames Bull the Rega Star, I'm the L Train Poxet Bonum everybody there be dragons